This is the I Read Comic Books Podcast, the best comic book podcast for regular comic book fans. I am your host, Mike Rapid, and joining me this week, two D-list DC characters lost in the drift of the 52 multiverse, Kara Shamborski. Excuse you, Booster Gold is C-list, all right? <laughs> D is pushing it. D-list is like Aztec or Gypsy, just an additional Listen, we'll, we'll layer we need it. to unpack. We're going to get into it, Kara, don't worry. But I'm also joined by the one and only host, the Next Issue Podcast, Danny. Hello. <laughs> I'm just going to keep it brief. Hello. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, today, we are here to talk about Booster Gold, specifically New 52 Pickup, a, a collection as commissioned by our good pal Keith on our Patreon. If you also want to become a Patreon and you want to commission an episode, you can join today at patreon.com slash Podcast. But before we talk about that book, which was a wild ride, we are going to talk about comic books. And I have two legally mandated questions that I have to ask, and that is, how have you been? How have comic books been? Let's start with you, Kara. Okay, first of all, how dare you ask how I am uh, the same day that I watched The Creator in movie theaters. Because... I, I don't know what this movie is. Okay. Explain to the folks at home and okay. me what this is. Please. I don't want to. I just want everyone to go watch it. Just go in cold like I did. Like, okay, I had seen a poster for this movie in my local movie theater a few months ago. And instantly my brain said, that looks like star wars rogue one and then i got closer and then i saw the subheader is from the creator of star wars rogue one and i was like great okay cool i'm oh, in i don't okay. need to know any further information i'm in and i knew it had something to do with ai and i've had a lot of feelings about ai recently so i was like i don't know about mm -hmm. this but like then one of my friends went and like loved it and said you have to go and i was like great um so i went in pretty cold and basically, it's like plot wise and thematic wise, a lot of similar, uh, like familiar things for people who have been watching sci fi. Like, there's sure. what do we do when robots become sentient, et cetera, geopolitical tensions, sure. et cetera. What is humanity? How are we as humans? What does it mean to mm -hmm. be human? And they weren't like saying it, but you're all you do the whole like, does. Does being sentient mean that you have a soul? What is having a soul, etc.? But the thing that I found so gripping about this film is the lush texture of it, the world building. It felt real. It felt like attainable sci-fi. I think this is best summed up by the dude sitting behind me in the theater. The second the credits start rolling, one of them just goes real loudly like, that cost $80 million. That looked better than anything Marvel or DC or Disney has done ever. Stop paying, stop paying these executives <laughs> millions of dollars to do nothing. Like, why are, And that's, I was like, that's yes, amazing. Yes, that's it. That's the quote. Oh, it was just, I left that movie in like a fugue state. Like I didn't listen to music for the next, like I got in my car, I drove silently to a restaurant so I could eat lunch <laughs> by myself and just contemplate everything that I had just seen. It's like, you know, in some movies you watch in the, the movie, the credits roll and you're just like, my brain has not left this movie. I am still mm -hmm. inside this movie and I have a lot of feelings yes. that I don't, that was me. It's been a while since a movie has made me felt that way. So I implore you to go see the creator while it's still in theaters. Okay. You've sold me. I've never heard of this movie and I'm sold 100%. Also, the Folks lead, in the chat are saying that it's very good. It's so good. Also, the lead, it took me like halfway through the film to realize this. The lead is Denzel Washington's son and he's so good. Whoa. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 
even more reasons to go even see more this. reason it's just like the whole thing felt so real i was like yes i can yes i'll mm. it was it okay. was really yeah okay. and if you've been to southeast asia it's just like i don't know they capture the aesthetic so well and okay. it it, like they make they make this like fictionalized version of Southeast Asia that feels like that is what Southeast Asia could look like 50 years from now. Oh, just please go watch it. Thank you. <laughs> but anyway, so my mind since then has been reeling. <laughs> and then I, I, see, I see. And then I read a bunch of comics and I read 52 Pickup and I was like, how can I go from the creator to 52 Pickup that we'll talk about on this show? So I was in this very like introspective swirl of different like ethics and morality and the future and who are we and what are we doing and it is into this mind morass that i read dracula number one from image which oh boy (laughs) uh well which all of us read so we can all talk about in a shocking plot twist for regular listeners we all read the same book this week that is not the show topic well, fortunately, Image was nice enough to to give us a, a nice preview at this book. They sent over a copy, which was it's it's from my favorite creative team on the planet right now, which is James Tinian and Martin Simmons. And uh, if you've never heard of them, maybe you have. You've seen their book, Department of Truth, which is maybe the best image book that you can buy, in my opinion. But they're also working on this five issue miniseries called Universal Monsters Dracula. Uh, and we read the first issue. So, Kara, what's what's this book all about? So... I don't know if you've read the original Dracula. I myself happen to have a copy of it right here. Oh, <laughs> actual Bram Stoker's Dracula. <laughs> actual Dracula. Um, so when I first read the actual Dracula novel, I was surprised by mm-hmm. all these characters that we don't know about in pop culture. Because I think at this point, Western pop culture has pretty firmly become saturated with, we know who Dracula is. We know who Van Helsing is. your mileage may vary on knowing who Mina Harker is if you were really into League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. And then there's like a bunch of other characters in this book where you're just like, they take up a lot of the book and we just don't know about them. And one of those characters is Renfield, who's this dude in a psych ward who's eating bugs and saying weird cryptic shit. And he's like a recurring character and he is almost unknown in like general pop culture. And the first issue of this comic book focuses on him in a way that is strikingly similar to how the Joker is portrayed in Arkham Asylum. There's a lot of like hollowed out eyes and abstract, like the face is not fully defined to reflect the inner mental state. Right. So I thought it was an interesting approach to start a Dracula book talking about one of these characters that's not as well known because it gives the creative team a little more leeway to do what they want with that. Totally. So I thought it was a really good, intriguing start in that regard. Yeah. Well, Danny, you were the person that kind of put this on the map for us to say like, hey, we should all check this book out this week. It's spooky season. I'm really curious to know what you thought of this book. Uh, Thanks, Mike. So I've been really excited for this book because I inadvertently have been kind of on a Dracula kick this year. Uh, there was the Renfield okay. movie, which so so, which was weird <laughs> which... that Renfield is having kind of a moment in 2020 because like Kara mentioned, he's not a very well-known character in pop culture. Sure. I only know sure. about Renfield from the Renfield movie. Right, which right. was not very good. 
but at least I learned who the character was. Uh, <laughs> right. And then I also watched The Last Voyage of the Demeter, which is based on a chapter from the Dracula novel. So, like, there's all this tangential Dracula stuff. Of course, I also right. love James Tinian. I love Martin Simmons. I will say um, I'm not, like, too knowledgeable about Universal Monsters, but I love the concept as a whole. Like, when Universal was, like, yeah, we're going to do a whole new movie universe and we're going to start with Dracula Untold. And then that went nowhere. Uh, yeah. And then they tried again a couple more times and that went nowhere. I was very excited and then disappointed. Um, but I saw I mean, Dracula Untold for the first time the other day and I was like, why is this this bad? Like, it does not have to be this bad. I didn't even know that was supposed to be the kickoff for their monster universe. I thought the kickoff was the mummy starring right. wasn't it that like was a second movie. attempt that was a right. second oh, attempt. Yeah. and okay. that's where they were like and the gang's all here and i was like oh this is cool except this movie also sucks why does this movie <laughs> suck yeah oh. but this comic does not suck this comic is amazing <laughs> it is amazing like i don't understand how james tinian can do everything that he's doing in comics like all the things that he's writing. And then obviously this isn't a creator. On, there's a, there's a letter in the back of the book actually that I normally don't read stuff, but I mean, this is James Tinian talking to the audience. So of course I want to check it out uh, where he talks about that, you know, how it's a little bit different, not, it's kind of like creator owned, but not really like, you know, so they have a whole mm-hmm. plan for this, uh, which I'm sure as, as a skybound gathers IP uh, to roll oh, yeah. out into, into their comics. Uh, and then Martin Simmons art. Oh my God. There's just some really I mean, haunting stuff. Great. I I can't wait to get this physically because there's a few pages that are broken up in the PDF that I you like it's a full spread that you need mm-hmm. to see all together. Totally. Uh so yeah, very excited. I'm glad we all read it and uh, but Mike, what did, what did you think of the book? Well, I I did want to respond a little bit to one thing you said. You asked Uh-oh. how is how can James Tinian do all of this? I feel like a lot of this book is carried by Martin Simmons. Like James Tinian, I think we all know, very talented writer. Um, on the whole, I think he's made more better books than worse. This is one of those better books, I think. But uh, for this specific issue. I feel like the art carries it so much. It really didn't matter what Renfield was saying, what all of the extra characters in the book were saying. This book could have carried itself as a silent comic with just Simmons's art because everything is so well depicted in the art. But yeah, this this book is incredibly looking. I didn't know what to think at first because I was worried like, oh, this is just an IP farm thing. I think we're like swinging back from this everyone's doing IP and then that kind of just all dipped down and now Shadow or Skybound is doing their own thing. And for some reason, they're like hooking up with people that actually really want to tell stories and whoever licensing these IPs are actually willing to take risks, right? Like Transformers number one, I felt was like a pretty big risk for a comic book. Um, I feel like this Dracula book, they're pulling clearly from a lot of the older Universal Pictures movies. Um, And it's, I think some of the, especially some of the stuff when we see Dracula in the book. But on the whole, this feels like a different perspective on a story that everybody seems to already know, which is Dracula gun come suck your blood. That's that's the summary. That's the byline. He's coming. Um, uh, Dracula's coming. Uh, That's a different movie. But uh, still, it's, (laughs) overall, I really liked the way that 
that we got the weaving in and out of Renfield's mind to yeah. what was happening with Dracula, um, which makes me wonder what the hell is the rest of this book even going to be about? I hope it's not just this, but if it is, I'd almost be satisfied because it's such a beautiful like sequence of pages that we get about how Dracula operates in the night. There's not this, he's there, and then the next panel, he's at this person's neck. It's like it's like a dream-like state that we're getting to witness through Martin Sims's art. So I'm I'm very pumped about this. I really really like this issue way more than I thought I was going to. My, my only my only thing is if they don't do a Creature of the Black Lagoon book, why did we even start this? At right, all? right. Like, um, why? <laughs> because the Creature of the Black Lagoon is cringe as hell. I think, but that's um, that's just me. <laughs> Guillermo del Toro won an Oscar remaking that story. Okay. Listen, Guillermo del Toro could win an Oscar remaking like the Rugrats movie. Okay, that's not about the story. Okay, I would watch that. that's Guillermo del Toro. Okay, I would watch that. It'd be very sad, like really, really sad. Yeah. Well, uh, I'm glad that we all get to check this out. This is a pretty solid book, so I guess we'll have to follow up in subsequent episodes of the show as this series comes out. But I'm going to pitch things over to Danny. Um, why don't you tell us how you've been? What comics you've been reading? Well, Mike, if you well, you guys know I've been going all this weekend. I was at a convention, Dallas Fan yeah. Festival. So physically, I am exhausted. Right, Spiritually, right. though, I am so <laughs> fulfilled and so energetic. Like there's so much pop culture just gushing out of me. I it is mm-hmm, insane. Mm-hmm. So, but you you know, I was I was going into the weekend and I was like, oh, man, I got like 15 books that I want to read before next week. But I'm not gonna get to any of them uh, oh, yeah. because oh, yeah. because we're we're gonna be at the convention uh, and then we got the show. Uh, but I did read a bunch of stuff last weekend and it was hard to pick. Uh, but I'm gonna talk about "Beneath the Trees Where Nobody Sees" number one from IDW. This is a new book, uh, which for the Twitch listeners, I mean for the anybody that's watching live, I have right here. This is written by Patrick Horvath with letters by Hassan Otsman Elhow. Uh, in this book, let me give you a quick synopsis. Don't murder the locals. That's the rule number one. <laughs> this is a small town serial killer, upstanding citizen, an adorable brown bear, Samantha. She's our protagonist. That's the one carnival. Do not murder the locals. Uh, but of course, as things go on in the book, uh, somebody does murder a local. And now we need to figure out what's going on. Samantha's not. She's pissed about it uh i i I don't normally like the whole this is this plus that but they mentioned dexter dexter meets uh richard scary's busy town and i was like okay well i mean i love dexter so i have to check it out um and i was not disappointed this book has a beautiful juxtaposition of like this like really um like almost like the art it almost looks like it's from a kid's book Mm-hmm. Uh, but the subject matter is not. It's about a serial killer who's very methodical in this small town. Uh, so that was really fun. Um, I really liked it. It's a well-paced mystery. Like everything that we set up in the first issue, mm-hmm. I think it's going to be a lot of fun because we get to meet the people from around the town. We get to meet Samantha. And then we we also get to meet the first victim that we kind of see in the little, like very subtle all throughout the book. You get to see this first individual uh, also mm-hmm. i don't know if i mentioned this all the characters are like anthropomorphized animals so go right. listen to our anthropomorphized animals episode and why we love them so much <laughs> yeah uh, but yeah that was also really cool so 
I'm very excited to see what happens. This is a mini series, so it shouldn't I think it's gonna be like five or six issues from what mm-hmm. I've seen. So yeah, that was uh that was really fun. I was not expecting to enjoy this book so much, and I'm glad I read it. But um yeah, uh but Mike, how are you doing? How comic books been for you? Oh boy. Well, I before I get into that, I will say uh this Beneath the Trees I thought got canceled. Beneath the Trails where nobody sees, I thought got canceled when all these IDW stuff just like got tossed up in the air. So I'm surprised to see that it came out. So I guess I'll have to go snag this um because I was just under the impression that it was not gonna come out, but that's really exciting. Um, well, if you can't hear it at home, um, or if you're watching live and you can't see it at home, um, I was at karaoke yesterday for four hours, um, screaming my little emo boy heart out to basically the handful of uh, mid-2000s emo songs and pop punk songs that I could figure out through this very convoluted uh, karaoke ordering system. Um, I went, we went to a place to celebrate my birthday a little bit later. My birthday was last week, so we're celebrating a week later, but, um, yeah, so I basically screamed for four hours straight. And so I'm exhausted because I drank about 97 beers and, um, yelled into a microphone. It was great. Um, but so I'm, I'm doing pretty good. I did manage to read a handful of comics, um, despite the fact that I was obsessed with Baldur's Gate, uh, last week quit playing that because it got really hard in act two and I need to just get past that and be an adult about it. Um, and then I started on this brand new like comics coding project that I may have mentioned to a handful of people that hang out with our discord. Um, that is coming along to the point where I bought a domain for 10 years because I think that this is a legit thing. Um, and I found uh, a very interesting way to get a lot of information very easily. So more to come on that. Um, so I've been working on that nonstop and I haven't been reading comics. But the two books that I did read and I, I do want to talk about one of them, oh, Super Mario Wonder also came out and that's been taking up my time since Friday. Like I picked it up and I've just been playing nonstop. It's amazing. It's it's a new era of Mario And it makes me feel good that there's like a stepping stone from like the last generation of Mario, which in my opinion started at the N64 and has gone up through Odyssey. And now there's this new generation of what Mario is going to be. And it's very exciting and so much fun. Um, I feel like any fan that likes Mario is going to enjoy this, but. Now, Spider-Man 2 also came out this week. So I don't know how anybody has time (laughs) to do anything. This is the thing. Uh, if I had a PS5, I would have probably been like six hours Mario, six hours Spider-Man, six hours Mario, six hours Spider-Man. But I don't have a PS5. Not yet, at least. Um, I, I Brian sent a text to a, the chat that I'm in and he said, my PlayStation 5 is just a Spider-Man machine now. That's it. Um, <laughs> and I totally understand that. Uh, but anyways, let's talk about comic books. Um, I did read some books. I talked about this last week. Sports is hell. Uh, it's a very tiny little book from Silver Sprocket. You can, as you can see, it's like an 80-page book. It won the, the Eisner. This is uh, by Ben Passmore. And I thought I understood what this book was about. And then you read it, and it hits you over the head with this idea that uh, there are problems with white people and black people in America. And sometimes sports starts unintentionally builds chaos in a way that you don't see how it's going to boil over. And this book takes that and runs with the idea of like, what if the the Philadelphia Eagles uh, won the Super Bowl and then Philadelphia just got trashed, right? That's the right sport. That's the right team. I think uh, so. The book kind of takes that idea in a fictionalized city with a bunch of fictionalized people and fictionalized everything um, and says, what if there was roving groups of people that really drew hard borders around like uh, race and class and they all kind of created different groups that started to fight against each other in town, but not in a fun way, in a very much like violent and 
racially driven like movement in uh, in how white people basically oppress black people no matter what happens uh when especially when it comes to chaotic things and guns and weapons and violence are involved there's a moment in this book in particular that uh really made me like lose my mind because of how naturally it was built up in the background of the story about how like even white people with the best intentions can and usually will do the wrong thing in the moment when they're needed to do the right thing um and it is it was so well executed i would like drop the book i was so blown away so if you get a chance i will say this isn't like a super heavy read but it does have a lot of heavy like ideas in it that like if you're not in the right headspace you might not dig this book but i found this to be absolutely wonderful it's a it's an amazing short read and i think that ben does a fantastic job of like really getting across this idea while taking like almost a mad max approach to the violence escalating in a city where like suddenly there's no police there's no law there is just like these gangs of people on motorbikes and racially driven condominium systems that have taken over swaths of the city simply because it drives the narrative to get the point across so i really really liked it um i understand why it won the eisner because it's so so well executed so if you get a chance i really i really think you should read it but that's what I read, um, or at least one of the books I read. But Kara, let's bounce back over to you. What else have you been reading? Well, okay. When I saw that we were reading Dracula, I thought, surely there have been other Dracula adaptations in comic books. Let me find one on Hoopla <laughs> to read so I can compare and contrast. Yep. What does Hoopla have? Hoopla has Vampirella versus Dracula. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, okay. To those of you who are unfamiliar with Vampirella, Vampirella is one of the characters that Dynamite Comics keeps publishing. And you'll recognize her because she's the one who's not really wearing clothes. She's wearing like a sash of red across each nipple that meets in like a thong. Like it just nothing about this outfit is an outfit. Like this this is designed to not stay on and everyone knows it. And this is one of those things where I'm just like, why comics? I know the answer is adolescent Boobies. straight male yeah. fantasies. Say, but like, I was going yeah. to say not to be confused with red Sonia, another really popular another, character right, from right, Dynamite right. that shares a lot of similar traits with the description right. of Vampirella. Just except the vampire thing, really just mm -hmm. look, I've read some Vampirella stuff. Um, I really like a bunch of Red Sonia comics. I understand that neither of them are feminist in any way whatsoever, but I like, you know, giving them a whirl once in a while to see what's going on over there. Um, Dynamite comics. When I think of Dynamite, I think pulp stories. Like, they take a lot of stuff from the 30s and 40s and just refuse to let them die. And... <laughs> The other thing I think is, will anyone at Dynamite ever draw a boob accurately? <laughs> like every, there are so many boobs and none of them would work. They all defy the laws of physics. They are all but shaped wrong. it's part wrong. of the fantasy. All right, They're all shaped. Uh, That's <laughs> not how boobs are shaped. I am just like, you know, I'm not out here saying like, go look at a boob, but like, go look at a real boob. Like that is not <laughs> what they look like. Anyway. So, and there's a lot of them in this book, so it's relevant to the topic. Anyway, so I read six issues of this book. I could not tell you what the plot is. It was so, I think what they were trying to do is they were trying to make like 
a commentary on the cyclical nature of stories and how some fates are preordained and some stories just keep playing out and we all have our roles in our stories. Fine. But like, that wasn't really apparent. Like, I'm just, I'm being real generous with my interpretation here because like, for reasons Dracula is there and also for reasons Vampirella is there and like sometimes they're killing each other and in one scene they're about to have sex and there's like this really awkward panel where Dracula is like I'm not forcing you into this and I'm like oh power dynamics I hate it I hate it so much he literally <laughs> controls minds why are we doing this I know the answer is money um Mm-hmm. Anyways, it was just not very good, but I did read it and it, it did have some uh, like interesting moments where they tried to like do something with the parallel nature of stories like they dove back into one of Dracula's like mythological origins in like the 1400s as like Vlad the Impaler and then mm-hmm. revisiting mm-hmm. the version from the novel and then doing a modern version, which I didn't realize until the end of the book is based off of a 1997 one-shot that Alan Moore wrote, putting Dracula in like modern New York City in 1997. And it was <laughs> also very not good. <laughs> and I don't expect, you know, I you know, Alan Moore is interesting because Alan Moore write some very good things and also write some very not good things. Like his writing itself is good, but his concepts, I often am like, sir, now that I'm an adult, I have some questions. Mm -hmm. So, you know, reading this comic series based off of this Alan Moore one shot that like, I can't imagine would have had a lot, like how many people would have read this one shot in order to connect this later, like Vampirella Dracula series to this well, one particular like, one shot. I wonder who was on the cover of that one shot, because that might dictate <laughs> who has bought that issue. <laughs> it's dynamite no, here, right? It's, now, it's, it's look, dynamite. I, I, so I'm not here to defend dynamite, but they are trying to expand. <laughs> they're doing a lot of stuff with Disney, like they're licensing a lot of Disney stuff. They I, have gargoyles right. and the Disney villains, which yeah. I'm enjoying a lot of that stuff. And next year we'll be getting Thundercats from Dynamite, which I'm also yeah, looking sure. forward to. No. So, Danny, let- I often read Dynamite, if only to see what they're doing. I read a lot of Dynamite when they were doing their Project Superpowers run. Same. Of course, I read the Gail Simone Red Sonia. I've mm-hmm. read a bunch of other stuff. It's just like, they're just so interesting because I'm like, how, how big are your print runs? Like, how are you alive? <laughs> so it's, How do you print that- 20 variant covers? <laughs> For every one single issue, issue, every single issue. <laughs> Just I don't know. The, see, oh. you know, I read James Bond regularly from them, right? They Philip Kennedy Johnson has been doing James Bond, and it's really good. Um, but every single issue comes with a cover gallery at the end, and yep. I'm like, why did? Why was there seven why? variant covers why? for this issue? So who not even like, needs this. I'm not like we may need to. We, yeah, we may need to do a full dynamite episode. Not, I think we should. I, I think we should thing. do a dynamite I, episode. I it's, there's it's such an interesting case. I have to almost refuse, though, because I do want to say this so that it is said. They do still actively work with known comics gator piece of shit, mm. Ethan Vinskyver. So, like, I, I, it makes me feel yucky buying Dynamite books because I know that, like, in the grand scheme of money being dumped into a pool and then being funneled out back to things, some of my money may actually end up in his pocket. And that's the last thing that I want. But they haven't worked with him in a while. 
I don't know, like, should I boycott DC because they work with him for all those years? You know, like that's a whole other discussion. But he is part of the variant cover problem at Dynamite, Mm -hmm. um, or at least was for a minute. So Mm -hmm. just putting that out there. Yeah. So uh, we'll put a pin in the Dynamite discussion, but we'll. We can fi- find an. <laughs> we can maybe find a way to do it. Sure. But before we aren't going to figure that out here live. Instead, um, I want to pitch back over to you, Danny, and talk about another book that you've read. Well, I I love continuity. And last episode, when Kate visited Mike, she mm-hmm. talked about uh, a manga that she was reading, Star Wars Leia, uh, Princess of Alderaan. So I read volume one. Kate talked about it volume two because she's ahead of me. And this mm-hmm. is by Yen Press. Uh, the other reason I read this is because uh, Claudia Gray, the author whose work this is based on, so Claudia Gray wrote, wrote the prose that this manga is based on. Uh, this manga mm. was adapted by Haruichi. Uh, and I got to meet Claudia Gray this weekend at Dallas Fan Festival. As you can see, I got a nice signature uh, from Claudia Gray. So Hell yeah. very cool stuff. She, she says she loves the manga. They changed some things, but she's very okay with all the changes. So that was nice to hear, which leads me to just wanting, you know, wanted to read more of this book because it's very good. Like, yeah, I don't think Kate undersold it. I think she like it was, you know, the way she talked about the book, like it's just really good. This is how you get me to read prose. You turn it into manga and you <laughs> or you adapt it with pictures. Um, I love the art. I love the character designs, and I just love seeing Leia. Like we know most of Leia's life, right? We've seen her now from the time she was born to the time she was an infant to when she was in her late teens fighting, you know, Darth Vader or whatever and all the way to the end of the line. So, like, just seeing more of that, like, how she became the person who she was uh, and all the people around her, you get to see a lot of the young, younger versions of the characters, like when Mothma is mentioned in the book, and of course Leia's parents are in it. At this point, she doesn't even know about the rebellion. Like, she just thinks she has to be the princess and, a sen- and she wants to become a senator, right? That's her goal. Uh, but, of course, she starts to discover that the galaxy is in the Empire is not what it seems to like. It's not what they're selling it. And that's really fun. Also, Holdo's in this book. And Holdo is an amazing character that doesn't get a lot of screen time here. Because I don't think they... I think they gave it, they become friends or way better friends later on. Uh, but mm. at this point, she's still just kind of around. And she's like the kookiest character. Uh, so I love that. So this was really fun. And I, I bought both volumes like right away because I knew I knew I was going to really enjoy that. So sure. yeah, I... Make more manga out of stuff. Claudia Gray did mention her other book, Lost Stars, Lost is also stars. adapted into a manga. So yeah. I'm going to read that once I'm done with Princess Leia. And I'm just going to read a lot of Star Wars manga now. That's that's going to be my thing. I love that journey Danny, I'm going to make a making a custom shirt that just says make more stuff into manga. Um, <laughs> as if there isn't enough. there isn't enough. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I love that. The Lost Stars manga adaptations have been on my list for a while and I did not know that there was a Princess Leia adaptation. Lost Stars is my favorite Star Wars book. So I will read the manga. The Leia one, I didn't like as much, but I do keep thinking about it because they did some interesting things where it was like they did some like early fleshing out of Leia and Haldo's like friendship so that when you go back and watch Last Jedi, you're just like, oh, Oh, you've been friends since you were teenagers. Oh, so <laughs> there, there's a panel where Leia meets Tarkin for the first time, 
and I had to stop reading right there and there. I was like, I need a second because it's you know, just Tarkin. It's just so interesting that Leia's got more Star Wars stuff about her because we all know that canonly Luke just like futzed around on the farm for the first 19 right. years of his life, but Leia was just like in the model UN, but like yeah, going right. around and meeting Get- everybody. Where's our extremely boring TV show about Luke Skywalker, Smallville style, where it's like everything leading up to when he actually became the character people care about, but it's like worse. It's somehow bad compared to Smallville, which had its good moments. But um, I just want that, that really, really boring, like oh, either a slice of life comic or something. That'd be I fun. mean, what they should uh, do, what would be the interesting story? And then I promise we can get back to the rest of the stuff that we read. What they should yeah. do is make the slice of life Tatooine show about Big's Darklighter who did join the Academy and then joined the Rebellion. Like, we need to see the big Starklighter story and see, like, then it, like, ends with him and Luke meeting and A New Hope. Like, it, just one season. It'll be so good. There's so, so much dramatic arc potential. It, it ends Call with me Luke Disney. bragging about... Yeah, it, it ends with Luke bragging about shooting Womp Rats. Yep. Right. Um, okay, I, let me talk about one more comic really quick. Uh lest we never get away from star wars ever um i read this other book called uh council of frogs this is uh by matt emmons it's a book that i back on kickstarter a little while ago um and it's an absolutely adorable book the light here is like very bright but you can see like the art is essentially the vibe that this book goes for and the vibe is very very good um there the story is basically about a little frog who's grown from the blood slash spirit of a dying war mage and is tasked by his father in heavy quotes there, who is still alive, um, but is like living in this swamp, like slowly but surely dying um, to go deliver a message to a warlock in a far off land, very far from the frog's home swamp um, in order to save not only the war mage, but his all of his frog family. Um, on his journey, he'll learn of the goods and evils of the world. And honestly, I don't even want to tell you any more about the book because it's so just adorable and action packed and exciting. But this is not a cute book. This is not like bug boys. This is not a book about like having a good adventure. And, uh, like we're also friends. Like this is a book that is like very lo-fi fantasy, but in ways that like really, really work. Like there's so many just silent pages in this book because one, the frog doesn't talk. Um, but two, it's like the frog on his little journey is taking in the greater world. He's never left his swamp. And so as he's traveling and experiencing the world, you could look at Matt Emmons is just beautiful art as he depicts this fantasy world that is very close to our own. Um, but this little magical frog guy is walking up on his hind two legs and um, he's got a little uh, dandelion on his head that he wears as a hat. And he's kind of just like walking through things and he sees like, you know, a bird will be plucking something off of a tree and there'll be like a panel of him looking and then the bird and then him smiling a little bit. And you're like, how does a frog smile? And you're like, I don't know, but Matt Emmons figured out how to make it look really, really nice and natural. Um, so I really, really enjoyed this. If you get a chance, um, check this out. It's available at second at bestpress.com. Um, but yeah, this is so worth every single penny. And as much as I'd even want more of this, this is like 146 pages and it is perfect. It's the right length. It didn't need a page more or a page less. It like totally nails what it's trying to do. And uh, yeah, just 
the vibes are good, guys. The vibes are so good in this book. It looks great. I've got it in, yeah, a, right. in a tab to consider purchasing for later. <laughs> yes, it's it's a little expensive because it's an indie book, but I promise mm-hmm. you, like it is printed. It's very high quality print. Like the cover is very nice, so it's worth that the money. But um, uh, Mike, before I'm we, just, get... I'm sorry, I, I just want to say I'm very proud of you for reading your Kickstarter books. A I know. Lot of the time, <laughs> I just buy them and then I know. forget that I bought them until months later when I get a box in the mail. I'm like, oh. what is this? <laughs> Danny, stop calling I, me out. <laughs> yeah, so it, folks in the chat apparently have read this as well and said they read digital edition. The physical edition, I promise you, is totally worth it. But before we get into the top of our pile, Kara, I know you have one more book you wanted to talk about before we get into that. So tell us a little bit about the last book that you read. One more book. So relevant to our discussion after the break. Uh, since we were tasked with reading a Booster Gold comic from the modern era. Uh, And because it did reference multiple things that happened in the Justice League International comic book from the 80s. I recently, on this very show, during this very show, panic bought the missing (laughs) issues of Justice League International because at one point I had loaned them out and I never got them back. And then we were talking about how when comics go out of print, you're screwed. So I was like, oh no, I have to rebuy them. So I found them used and got them. And so I picked up volume one again and it is so unbelievably 80s and also so interesting how this particular comic book is still super relevant for DC Mm -hmm. fans. Like, I I won't get into all the details of what the callbacks are in the Booster Gold volume that we read, but there are several. And there's a lot of things that were happening in DC, in the DC universe around the time of the Booster Gold series we'll be talking about that are like directly events stemming from this justice league international run and it had been a minute since i read it and going back into volume one i was just struck by how unbelievably 80s it is like ronald reagan (laughs) is a character gorbachev is a character uh guy gardner is like the 80s macho action hero id like every single panel he's just obnoxious and i'm like oh you would have voted for trump (laughs) Um, like he's just awful. And like, you know, one of my favorite parts in the book is where Batman punches him because he's being so obnoxious and Black Canary Mm -hmm. is depressed that she missed it because she was out of the room. (laughs) She was just like, (laughs) you know, because Guy groped her in an earlier panel and she was Uh. like, (sighs) you know, speaking of her, though, she has she like it. this has grown on me. Black Canary really had a great 80s superhero costume. You know, superhero costumes change once in a while. And in the 80s and 90s, they were really trying some new and different things across the board. Black Canary is usually you think like, oh, she's in the black leotard and the fishnets. And she's got the blonde hair and maybe a leather jacket. In the 80s, mm-hmm. she's in like a full on like she's covered from her neck down in like a jumpsuit that's like a little baggy. And there's like a just freaking black canary wings coming off her shoulders in a reflection of the 80s like women's power suits at the time and she's got a a black headband with her like farrah fawcett hair because it's the 80s and why not just everything about it is so sublime so uh the one thing i will say about this book and I'll, i'll get into more of it a little bit later is just like 
man, the writing is good. Like, I love a book mm. that has good character dialogue and like character interactions. You can really see why this book has such resonance with the fans even today. And especially like, you know about my goal to make everything gayer, but like Justice League International gave some of the most popular fan, like fan on ships to this day. Like some of the most Mm. popular, like queer DC ships in fan communities are still like the booster golden blue beetle from this era fire and ice from this book like there mm-hmm. it just like when i think of like popular queer couples in dc like you know before they actually let harley quinn and poison ivy be gay is like the characters from this book and i think it's because they had such good interpersonal relationships in this book so there was mm-hmm. just like mm-hmm. more to work with and more subtext to see um and it just kind of made me be like see comics can be like this why don't we let more superhero comics be like this so what you're saying is that i should get on the dc infinite universe whatever and read this run of jail justice league right oh yeah justice league international there's like four four trades of it um Mm -hmm. it really you can really see a lot of things in this book that were then referenced for the next 40 years they're gotcha. still, yeah, still being referenced with the Human Target series by Tom yep. King. Like, they do a lot of callbacks to that. And then, you know, unfortunately, Keith Giffen recently passed away. I think, I believe it was last week, and he was one of the creators in this book. But he's the one, one of the reasons this book is so good, like that dialogue and everything that he brought to the book. So, yeah, I think this is something that I might also revisit, especially after what we read for for today's show. Yeah. I think it'll be a fun revisit. Yeah. yeah. Well, um, let's move on really quick and get to our top of our pile. This is a section of the show that we do every week where we talk about one comic that we're reading next, whether that's new, old, or just something you're trying to get off of your shelf. So I guess I'm going to kick things back over to Danny after I talk about our Discord picks. Uh, Folks of us that are hanging out live on Twitch and on Discord, um, we asked you before we started recording what you were reading next. And Hugh said they're reading Rare Flavors number two. CK's reading Little Monsters volume two. And Paul G is reading Metaphorical Her one of those books I have not heard of, one I'm not reading, and the other I can't wait to read next, so um, in reverse order. But uh, Danny, what are you excited for this week? What are you, what's on the top of your pile? Well, Mike, if I went through the top of my pile, it'd be like 20 books, but I'm going to tell you the one that it's at the way, way at the top. Uh, it is Captain Marvel number one, uh, and a big reason behind that is the creative team. So this is going to be written by Elisa Wong, with art by Jen Basaldua, and colors by Brian Valenza. This is a whole new start for Captain Marvel. Of course, there's a movie coming soon. And yeah, I'm sure Marvel's like, oh, yeah, we need to put out a new series again for this. Uh, Kelly Thompson just had like one of the largest runs that I've ever seen for Captain Marvel. Mm-hmm. And I think, mm-hmm. although I haven't finished it overall, uh, people really like that run. So I want to know what happens next. Now, I love Elisa Wong's uh, current, uh, or I guess the, the Deadpool run that just finished. Also... Their Doctor Doctor Afra uh, run that just finished or that's oh, ongoing, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, and then you know Bustle Duo did uh, Mister and Mrs X. So the team is solid. This team is super solid. Uh, Carol's getting a new outfit. She's getting highest, furthest, fastest. So like, I'm very excited for a new Captain Marvel book for next week. Interesting, interesting. Well, like you said, of course they're gonna put out a new number one, but you know, hopefully it'll be good. You'll have to report back to us, Danny. Let me talk about a book that I'm excited for this week. I actually have it sitting here. 
another Kickstarter book that I'm actually going to read. Whoa. Um, this is uh, this is Koguchi Magazine number one. This is an anthology magazine. It's real nice and thick. It's real like good paper, like very well produced. Like the end of it, it's like, see you next time. I mean, like it's it's very much leaning into this idea of uh, capturing the feeling of like a bootleg VHS collection at a convention. This is what they said about the book. The anime OVAs for sale in the back of a magazine or the genre paperback section of a, in a bookstore. Fascinating, exciting, and diverse short stories that will live in your imagination long after you put the magazine down. I think this is a quarterly like anthology book. It's, it's nice and thick. Um, and honestly, the overall vibe I get is like, it's exactly like the type of magazine that you would stumble upon as like a teenager or early college, like just going through the back bin of some random discount store or like a flea market and be like, what the hell is this? It has that feeling of like a very rigid magazine, but you can tell that like the pages are just packed with like unbelievable art. Like, I, I don't know, this book just looks so pretty and like. Uh, for the folks listening at home, not on Twitch, I'm flipping through this thing and the art styles are all over the place. Everything's huge. And I kind of just love the size of this thing. So I'm really, really excited. Vibes are good on this book, too. Spoilers. Most of the books I back on Kickstarter, the vibes are good. So um, I'm really excited to read this. Um, plus, the cover is fantastic. There's a giant cat horse. And who doesn't love a giant cat horse? But this is very, very exciting. Um, Kara, what about you? What are you reading next? Well, Mike, uh... I'm reading a whole bunch of stuff next, but the one that I put on the top of my pile here is Salt Magic by Hope Larson. It won an Eisner. I don't know anything about it. It was a rare instance of me buying a book without reading it in a library or a review PDF or a hoopla first. Oh, yeah. I just I saw it on the bookshelf in the bookstore and the the color blue on the cover got my attention and then mm -hmm. i saw the word witch and won an eisner and i was like say no more i'm taking it home with me <laughs> <laughs> i'm joining the kate scotchless kate lamphier school of picking up all ages books about yes. witches to read at all times yes I mean, this book also has art by Rebecca Mock, who is unbelievably good. Um, I have yet to read this, but this has been on my like, oh, this is a book I'm going to put on yep. my Christmas list or something because it looks really good. I want to read it, but yet I could turn to the bookshelf that I have next to me that is full of unread books such yeah. as this this book that's sitting here. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's fine. That's cool. Very but, exciting. But like my whole but, you know, because we're deep, deep in spooky season, like my entire mm -hmm. TBR is um graphic novels about witches that one of the yes. Kates have recommended <laughs> at some point before. <laughs> um, but then the other thing, taking things back to dynamite, um, I went to a comic book store. I bought issues one through five of Maleficent because I liked the covers and I thought, Oh God, I'm turning into Danny. So, <laughs> you know, they had variant covers. They had too many variant covers. I got to pick the mm -hmm. variant cover that I wanted. I was excited that they had the whole thing. I was mad that nobody had told me that Disney was doing comics stateside because usually they do European comics, but not American mm -hmm. comics. A whole new world has opened up for me. A new enchanting oh, point oh. of view. All right, I, I, no, 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 I'm not. Nope. Um, Kara, the Kara, mouse is going to come down on this podcast. Um, Danny, say what you need to say. We got to wrap up. Let me tell you, first of all, I also am reading the Maleficent series. I can't wait to wrap it up, but... They also announced a Cruella DeVille series from Dynamite. Like, they're picking the best. Disney has a lot of really good villains. There's a Scar series. There's a Hades series going on right now. 
if you're a Disney fan and you're not reading those, like, what is wrong with you? Uh, I don't know. But yeah, I'm delighted that I know now. I'm going to start ranting about nostalgia bombing. Um, We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we are going to talk about the episode, the thing that we're actually here to talk about this week, which is Booster Gold Volume 1 52 Pickup. Uh, So we'll be back in just a second to do just that. For our show this week, we have been asked to talk about Booster Gold Volume 1 52 Pickup as commissioned by our good friend Keith over on Patreon. Keith was nice enough to back us at a certain level in order to commission an episode. And you too can back us at that level if you go to patreon.com slash Podcast. But Keith said he wants us to read Booster Gold Volume 2, number 1 through 6, 52 Pickup. His reasoning for why we were going to do this is i don't know if that you've ever discussed my favorite superhero and the trade was recently republished by dc i know kara and danny have some dc history but i'd like to know how they and mike feel about quote the greatest hero you've never heard of and quite honestly i have a lot of thoughts about this but i think i want to toss over to kara really quick to give us maybe a little bit of like background on this character because if i'm not mistaken you might have some very strong feelings about this era in DC's comics continuity, but uh, why don't you take it away? So, first of all, Keith, how dare you? Because <laughs> I, <had> <laughs> I had to... Look, this is like... This book came out when I was at, like, the peak of reading DC comics for me. Like, opening this book, my brain was instantly like all right, let's set the scene. It's sophomore year in college. You're pledging a sorority. Transformers are your entire life when you're not thinking about high school musical. I'm just like picturing me like spreading all these fucking 52 issue DC comic books. And like, this is right before I got disillusioned about events and when I was still buying everything. So I can tell you with certainty, I definitely read this book back in 2008 but i did not remember anything about it going in and of course reading it i'm just like this fucking thing is just justice league international all over again and i went Mm -hmm. and reread it and i was right down to them referencing the whole like oh booster gold why are you trying to get i'm getting ahead of myself so booster gold is i actually first met booster gold uh watching the tv show justice league unlimited he had an episode that was very memorable Mm-hmm. It was just a, a very well done episode. Uh, Booster Gold is a superhero from the 25th century, and he is a bum from the 25th century who like robbed a museum for their superhero gear and then went back in time so that he could be famous and like come up with endorsement deals. And he's like such an unbelievably 80s character. Uh, yeah. Someone know. had just watched Back to the Future and said, what if superheroes? Uh, yep. Yep. So uh, he's part of the starting lineup, more or less, of Justice League International, which is a lineup of the Justice League that was created for nefarious reasons in the 80s. So you have to like put your mind back to like mm, Cold War, Reagan era, height of the AIDS epidemic, a lot of feelings and stuff and uh, happening and into this complicated world. Uh, DC villain, not at the time, but later we would find out he was a villain. Spoilers. Max Lord, businessman, 
like wearing the bold stripe like Gordon Gecko Greed is good shirts and mm-hmm. suits and everything is just like, hey guys, what if we formed a superhero team? And for some reason, Batman lets his happen, which I find mm-hmm. the most out of character thing Batman did in this whole book. Anyways, so Booster Gold is part of this constructed lineup uh, of Justice League members. And I'm not going to spoil the series because everyone should read it, but uh as I said on the first half of our show, the uh, characters and actions in Justice League International kept reverberating through DC because DC mm-hmm. does this like circle jerk thing where they just cannot let things go. And that was on full display in this series. This series takes place after the events of the 52 comic book series, which is a weekly comic book event leading out of infinite crisis, which was a follow-up to crisis on infinite earths because DC just can't let things be alone. They have to keep referencing their own stuff over and over again. And I put a really great word in the doc. I did. Hey, geographic. This is a Hey, geographic like rendition it's just let's just make every let's just make the fans think all of our old shit is all still important and so Mm -hmm. after 52 in which many of the characters from justice league international again a series from the 80s and 52 was in like 2008 still relevant um we find out that booster gold is like not a total schmuck like he can save the world and do things and he gets yeah. involved with some time travel stuff with rip hunter time traveler extraordinaire which is like doctor who but without the woo-ness and uh, <laughs> look uh-huh. look so i wish i didn't have to explain so much to go into this this book but like this book that we read for this show booster gold 52 pickup is so reliant on you knowing everything that just happened in the DC universe over the past year and a half. Like I mm-hmm. cannot imagine going into this book, not having read infinite crisis, not having read justice league international, not having read Mike's pointing finger guns at himself. So Mike, we're going to get your perspective because yes. I, again, had not reread this since 2008, but had enough where I was just like, Oh, that thing. And Jeff Johns is doing the thing where he's like writing clues for future stuff on Rip Hunter's blackboard. And it's all cryptic (laughs) and shit. And I have to pay attention. And when I was like 19, this was everything. And I was like, I have to pay attention. I have to buy all the books. I have to find out what's happening. And then DC fucking ruined it by doing Flashpoint like two years later. Anyways, so we're we're seeing this, this guy trying to pick up the pieces of his life. He just saved the multiverse, whatever. He just wants to be a hero and Rip Hunter, Time Master, not Time Lord, comes back and says, like, guess what, buddy? Buckle up. We got to go save the time stream now. Hell yeah. And that's where we go. Mike, you don't know anything that any yes. of this book was referencing. What are your thoughts? Well, I will say really quick, we're going to do some full spoilers here for a book that's 15 years old. So just FYI, um, going into this. I I feel like either I was in a good mood or maybe something about Jeff Johns' writing just got me right into the mindset I needed to be in for this book. Knowing that so much of this was reliant on things that I have 
less than passing knowledge on. I know that 52 happened. Um, I said this in the notes. I was the editor on a on a, a 13 part series for an old website I used to run where someone covered four issues of 52 for 13 weeks straight. I still could not tell you what happened in 52. I and Kara, you've explained some ex, extremely um I want to say gay stuff that happened in that book. That was countdown. Um, that was countdown. Oh, that was countdown. Oh, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> because okay, they never did mind. another one. They were like, hey, all these suckers bought our weekly book for a whole year. Let's okay. do it again. And then they did okay. countdown. No. Um, and that's spoilers, where they didn't stop. They kept doing it. I know. Uh, they have to do. Uh, okay, yeah, exactly. But... So uh, going into this, I didn't really know anything. Um, and I felt like John's does a good job with 10,000 words per issue, kind of dumping what you need to know about this book on you. Um, I feel like if you just came off of reading 52 and Infinite Crisis and all this stuff, you're just like, holy smokes, you are rehashing things that I read last week. Shut up. So I feel like you could be annoyed. But for a blind reader like myself or going in blind like myself, um, I felt like it worked. I felt like you get who Booster Gold is from the get go, not only because he keeps reminding you of how much a loser he isn't, and then it's slowly being shown that he is a loser um, because that's just the dynamic of the book. It's very funny, and it felt so much like, again, a Doctor Who thing. It felt a lot like the Exiles book that I really love, and I know I recommended to you, even though maybe it wasn't as good as I remember, um, in that there is this idea of, hey, the multiverse is broken. We're going to go into these weirdo universes and then correct things because someone's trying to break stuff. And I I thought it was fun. Um, so while I didn't, I think I was lost. There's a lot of things referenced that I just didn't get. And I kind of was able to roll with the punches. I'm a professional big two comic book reader. I know when to say like, you know what? I don't give a shit what the editor's note says. We're just going to keep moving, guys. Um, it worked. I think that this first volume really sold me and uh, i think there's some choice moments we can touch on but overall i was i was into it and i totally got it even though having i had no history with what they were really referencing in this book mike i want danny's thoughts but first i want to just say if this book had editor notes that would be the full page danny yes go. <laughs> well uh i i don't think i'm i was as well versed in the subject matter as Kara, but i was not as clueless as mike i was kind of in the middle because i i read a lot of stuff I read 52 at some point. I know I have them all in a box somewhere. So that means I must have read them. Uh, <laughs> that doesn't mean it. No, that doesn't. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> uh, I think one thing that it is very important to this story is that Ted Cord died right before 52, at the or before the final crisis, I guess. Or, Ted yeah, Cord the Blue crisis. Beetle. Ted Cord mm -hmm. the Blue Beetle, yeah. Who is Booster Gold's best friend. And as soon as I knew that was going to be a big part of the story, I was in. Because I love those two guys. Like, their friendship, their relationship is so good. Like, it's so well done. They are probably the best friends in comics ever. Like, out of any friendship, it, like, in any any publisher. Uh, to Mike's point, the first issue is very slow. Like, it's, like, to its detriment if you are coming in with all the knowledge. So, that, so I was very, like, oh, this is not going to be very good. This too many words. You're telling me everything that I already know, or at least all the big, you know, the big beats. But it got a lot better. Uh, I'm a big sucker for the slight changes in time causes major events to change. You know, like the butterfly effect with Ashton Kutcher. Uh, so that's what this book is all about. Like, it's awesome. I love it. Yeah, let's move these things a little bit, and it's gonna cause all these things to like, uh, you know, change the way we know them. 
uh, all that being driven by Booster Gold, who we get. I'm glad we got the intro page because I didn't know his full story. Like, I know he's from the future and uh, he was kind of disgraced in his time, but I didn't know that it was like a, a football gambling scandal, which was interesting. He was shaving points <laughs> off this, the games or something. Like, I don't, what is it's like, so unnecessary? Yeah. They, they could have avoided an entire page of dumb pros if they would have just been like, I got into some bad deals and now I had to come to the yeah. past. No, the football game thing so doesn't matter. Shit. And you're telling me football still exists in its somewhat current form in the year 2442 or wherever he's from. I don't believe that for a second. The freaking Judge Dread laser face thing that he had. It's so ridiculous. Anyways, anyways. I, I do love that Sh- shaving points of a football game is like the most 80s plot ever. Yes. Uh, so I thought that was really funny. But yeah, and you know, I think the art overall is very serviceable. It it feels like superhero comics. It feels like what I would expect out of this. There's nothing that's too exciting other than the fact that they cram so many little Easter eggs. Every time Rip Hunter and, the, and their ship they are traveling through time and they get to see all these little timelines and you get like little Easter eggs. I can't imagine Kara being in a room like that's, that's from this thing. And this is from that other book. And like, just mm-hmm. going through all this stuff in the background. I mean, because I that's didn't what I was rec- doing. I didn't recognize everybody, but I referenced gypsy and Aztec <laughs> earlier for a reason. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so, oh, um, so, no. Yeah. It, it was definitely like, you know, once we got past that first expository issue, mm-hmm. then it was like each issue is its own little adventure. And I do think if I, you know, the experience of reading this monthly might have been more delightful than reading it all in one go. But reading it mm. all in one go, I'm kind of like, okay, what's the point? Are we just doing the self-referencing thing over and over and over again? I don't know. I'm just like really cynical about this one. But um mm. Man, that's that's crazy. I actually found myself really, really liking this. I I went into this again not knowing much, but like, I it's so funny to read a book that is so up its own ass with continuity bullshit, mm. and then as soon as you like relinquish that care of like I need to know all the continuity to get this book, there's like something weirdly freeing about diving into this book and going, I don't think I get any of this, but I know who Batman is. <laughs> I know that that's Superman. You know, like it, it works because. I feel like all of the little nudges and all the little references ultimately don't matter. And they're just there for like the diehard fans. And I feel like even if I probably, if I continued reading this book, I don't know how much it would actually matter um, to if, if I didn't know all of the nitty gritty details, because this book, like I said, Jeff Johns likes to do 10,000 pages or 2000 words per issue. Um, he's going to expound upon you what's going on regardless. So for me, it wasn't, that really wasn't a bad thing. Um, and maybe that's what they were going for. It was the new 52 guys, you know, right? Isn't that what was happening? <laughs> um, I was getting like annoyed with myself for not remembering anything about Supernova. Like I saw the costume and I was like, damn, I used to know who you were. Why don't I know who mm-hmm. you were? So it was like stuff like that where maybe it was like I knew just enough to be dangerous, but not enough to actually like oh, enjoy sure, myself. Sure. Or maybe I should have been like Mike and just be like, it doesn't matter. It's fine. Mm-hmm. Um you know, the thing that I I had a, an issue in this book that I really, really did not like and one that I really, really did like. Um, the one that I really, really did not like, one of these adventures, was I would love so much if DC could stop redoing the killing joke. Like, 
it was not funny the first time. And as any joke gets over repeated, it is not funny now. And just like continuously seeing Barbara Gordon getting shot by the Joker. Mercifully, they did not show the like sexual abuse component of that story. But like Mm -hmm. just the fact that we keep having to go back to Barbara Gordon got shot like that's another thing that happened in the 80s. Like, can we just not keep going back to the, like, I understand this book sold very well for DC, but like, must we? Must right. we? Yeah, because I think the point that we're trying to make of, of that being like a, a an unchangeable Solidified event, time. Yeah, yeah, you could have done that with a lot of different stories. <laughs> so many now, other things. I will... Kara, I have to ask, because this is in my notes, and as I was reading that issue since you brought it up, Ted Cord and Babs? Hold on a second. When? Is that yeah. a thing? Like, Yeah, yeah, they dated. I. How, oh. how do you not know the dating history of Batgirl? <laughs> well, because to me, Barbara, I don't know, maybe it's a New 52 thing that she feels she skews younger than, like, appropriately to be with Ted Cord, but maybe that was a New 52 thing where they, they shortened um. the timeline. Uh, because yeah. Nightwing is younger. I mean, Nightwing is Robin, and I feel like sure. they are age appropriate. But Ted Cord, I feel like he's more of Batman's age. And uh, if you watch that Killing Joke movie, mm, you know uh, that that's gross. So, <laughs> so oh, yeah, they, um, you know, timelines in the DC yeah. universe are malleable. So uh, I think they were, I, I think everyone just kind of did a big, like, if you're not in the Teen Titans, you're all around the same age and it's fine. Oh, <laughs> like that, that kind of thing for a while. Okay. You know, when everyone, when nobody's really drawn with wrinkles on their face, you, you have to assume that everybody is in their mid 20s to mid 30s. Early 30s. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Like everyone is 30 in the DC universe forever, unless you're a Teen Titan. It's just Commissioner right. Gordon is the only adult in the, right, in the right. DC. Like full on adult. Right. Which, you know, explains a lot about yeah. you know superheroes in general like the solution is punching things that's fine yeah. so the I, issue go on I was, sorry i was gonna say the only i guess redeeming thing about that killing joke issue is that when joker takes those pictures and then batman finds him later on like he understands he's the he's the one person that knows that booster gold is a hero because of what he was trying to do to stop that i don't know that it's still, it, it doesn't make up for the fact that they brought that up again graphically showed her spine being shot with blood spurting everywhere like Like, mortal Kombat style (laughs) can we not oh so pivoting to the thing that i loved immensely as i said this is just like the parade of dc being really proud of themselves and part of dc being really proud of themselves is that they will never ever let the western hero anti-hero jonah hex die like to the point where he had a bad movie made about him that I still haven't seen. <laughs> like Jonah, Josh Brolin's in that. Yeah. I think, right? yeah and Megan Fox. <laughs> so like oh I should, my... I should watch it cause I love her, but like, you know, oh, we have to we have to talk to Paul and get this on movie club. This yeah. would be insane. Yes. Yeah, so, all right. So for those of you who don't know, Jonah Hex is like, I guess picture two face, but in the West, like half of his face is just like melted away. He's got like one big old eyeball that is not, biologically possible because there's no way for it to have tears and stay moisturized but anyway and jonah hex is an old west gunslinger and every once in a while dc says people still like westerns let's trot out (laughs) jonah hex 
like Jonah Hex has also been on a Justice League Unlimited episode. Anyways, so there's an issue where like to save Superman, Booster Gold has to go back in time to save the life of the doctor who will one day birth Clark Kent, like Jonathan Kent's great, great, great grandfather. Anyway, mm-hmm. so you know, so those are some interesting things they do with like hopping around the timeline. And yeah, anyway, it was just was like really fun. Yeah, it was just like for reasons. Jonah Hex is here now, and he and Booster mm-hmm. Gold are in a drinking contest. And Booster Gold is dressed up like Woody from Toy Story because that's the <laughs> only cowboy outfit he could find. Right, because and- Rip Hunter for some reason just has a whole closet full of costumes, but that's his cowboy yeah, outfit. Yeah, Doctor Who. It's, it's the Doctor. Yeah, yeah. He's got a whole uh, closet. He needs it to blend in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that was delightful, and like my my favorite panel in the whole entire trade paperback was in this issue where they're in the wild west so booster gold has a uh floating robot companion named skeets and skeets is i want you to envision like a little drone that looks like a tiny little like just like a little like bullet with a little like there's probably a little dude in there it looks like a tiny spaceship skeets is a security droid from the 25th century that um booster gold like took back in time with him and they're best buds and they're great Mm -hmm. and Skeets again is a tiny like hand human hand sized floating bullet okay and at one point in this Jonah Hex story Skeets is riding a horse Skeets is mm-hmm. holding with no hands somehow <laughs> Skeets the reins to a horse and floating above the saddle tell right. me why <laughs> because if for those of you who aren't aware, Skeets can fly. Skeets has been flying around this entire comic, but for some reason, when Booster Gold gets a horse, so does Skeets. And I also laughed at that because there are multiple panels where just in the background, Skeets is <laughs> like floating, holding the reins of a horse. So <laughs> if there was more of that and less of the continuity bullshit, this might be right. one of my favorite books of all time. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, we should we should talk a little bit though about Dan Jurgens's art in this book, if only because I I was thinking about it today and like Dan Jurgens for me I think he's he's been around for a while he created this character right he was the creator of Booster Gold. Um, there's a little if you read the trade through the DC Unlimited, uh, Infinite Online whatever the fuck it's called he gives this breakdown about how there was this wacky guy who had this crazy idea for a character um and ended up being booster gold and that was that person was him but like jurgens's style so he was working in the 80s and he was working in 2008 so like very long time at dc but his style feels modern but it feels very like house dc right and that's probably because of the time when he was working at dc just his style was the house style and there isn't so much a house style nowadays for dc or marvel or anything but i think when we look at comics if you just look at the art the way that things are inked the way that they're kind of the characters are kind of formed in their like overall body structure you can kind of guess is this dc or is this marvel and this book has a definitive dc feel to it that i really really enjoyed like booster gold I know it's it's clearly Dan Jurgens' baby looks so good. Like as a superhero design, the way that he's drawn on on panel with other characters, like I think Jurgens' Batman sucks in comparison to how well he drew um Booster Gold, 
right? And I, I think there's a couple of pages that he does some justice for characters like that I never would have expected, like the Green Lantern character whose name escapes me right now, Guy Gardner, um, absolute shithead Green Lantern, which I have a whole question about that we'll do in the post credits about how did Guy Gardner even become a Green Lantern? He's such a jerk. But Booster Gold looks so good in this. And I just wanted to like talk about a lot of the costuming in this this volume because I feel like overall Jerkins is so good at doing superhero costume bullshit where I think some artists may fall a little bit flatter. Um so what did what did you guys think about Jerkins's art in this? Uh I I really liked it. I, I grabbed a lot of like I gra- I grabbed a lot of screenshots from this. Uh there's one with where they talk about the first thing they have to correct where Guy Gardner becomes the greatest Green Lantern, and there's just like a, a really cool panel of Gardner, like with uh, with the Green Lantern power. Uh, and I'm like, man, like if he looked like this all the time, maybe I would believe that he's the greatest Green Lantern. Now we all know that's Kyle Renner. I won't get into that in this Hell episode. Yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah, it's Kyle uh, Renner. Yeah. So I also love all the little details in the background. I grabbed one where in the issue with the flashes. Uh, where they they pop in and the bar you see in the back is like Carmine's, and of course that's a you know Carmine Infantino creator of the Flash. So like, there's a lot of little details in the book, like so many characters, so many designs. Oh my god! It is, <laughs> yeah, it is. It's pretty amazing. He also draws a really cool mullet uh, for the Rex <laughs> Rex guy. So. I- I, I was the, Danny. You just reminded me. I forgot that the flashes run into the time sphere the that they're flying treadmill. around in on in their the treadmill on their cosmic on their treadmill. treadmill. Cosmic yeah, treadmill. Okay, <laughs> guys, comic books are stupid, and I hate them. I can't believe that that happened. How do you not I know? I know that. As soon as I was like, what the hell is going on? Well, the first time they were on in panel, I was like, what the hell are they on? And then later, they're flying off on their cosmic treadmill, and I was like. I wish that I could ri- forget that it existed again because I knew that I, it had existed before and I'd completely forgotten until that moment. And boy, does Dan Jurgens draw it well, but it's so stupid. This is what I'm saying. DC won't let things die. Yeah. You will always have to know about Barry Allen and his cosmic treadmill from now <sighs> until the end of time, Mike. I, I love the bit too, the way they set up, right? Like, uh, I think Rip's like, quit distracting me like you can't fly the ship we're gonna crash against something and then booster's like what are we gonna crash against here in the timeline and then boom <laughs> they run into the flashes with the cosmic treadmill in record the next scratch and you're, like, you're probably oh wondering how i ended yeah. up in this situation <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh my god um oh man i also love the meet cute between rose the reporter and i think his name is danny the great 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 father yeah. of, uh, of Booster who is just in his boxers because his costume got stolen. Okay, see, that's was... the point where I was like, man, this art sucks because these people don't look like people. Like, yes, it's mm. a great superhero thing, but I was just like, you know, I don't need I don't need all comic books to have like normal looking bodies and all things but it would be nice if there was like some recognition that like this level of muscles and this level of um defying of physics of various anatomies like can we just like find a nice middle ground where people have muscular definition but they're not like obviously having some kind of x-men movies restrictive diet thing happening anyway so like that's the part where i was like i don't know if i like this art you guys so you guys are saying oh this Mm. art is so great it's such great superhero art and i'm just like "Ah, 
it's so it's like so so mediocre and i understand that it's not mediocre but like watching it i'm just like yes this is superhero comic book art it's nothing great mm-hmm. there i have many questions there's this one thing where like that building off that meet cute like later from the meet cute where those two characters booster gold's like great great grandfather and the reporter are like sitting on his couch and she's just like I'm lying about my appearance too. Oh, and yeah. she like takes it's- out a blue contact <laughs> lens to be like, I'm just, I'm not a blue eyed city reporter. I'm a brown eyed country girl. And I was like, a man wrote this. A man wrote this. A man yeah. edited this. Like, <laughs> Have you read Jeff Johns before? Like he doesn't understand how to write people that aren't like clones of himself. That's it. He only knows how to write white men. I'm sorry. But like, oh my God. Um, so I don't just know. Like, that was this. This mm. leads to like one of the questions that I have about this book, though, which is, as much as I enjoyed it, right? It's very much like a Jeff Johns book, and I feel like when I've read other, because Jeff Johns and who else? There's another person that worked on this, and I don't have the credits up in front of me right now, but um, still, it's very much a Jeff Johns book. So mm. I was wondering, like, are there other Jeff Johns books that are this fun to read? Because I feel like every Jeff Johns book I've picked up, I've kind of just been like. Oh my God. Um, just with like over ev- over exposition. I think the thing that made this book work for me was it kind of is like overly sarcastic to the point of make making fun of itself, which makes that endearing. But like, I think the only other thing that I've really liked by Jeff Johns is uh, the one where the superhero villains have to save all the superheroes. And I can never remember the villains name of this book. Forever Evil? Forever Evil. Thank you. Yes. Um, and I don't even know if he wrote that. But nonetheless... <laughs> <laughs> have you guys read any other Jeff Johns books uh, that you enjoyed it, I, I guess, in the same way or that you enjoyed that maybe you didn't enjoy this one? But I mean, uh, I just assumed everyone was going to like this one. So, yeah, I mean, it's that I don't think is a question that I know how to answer, because, again, this was the moment when I was reading the most DC. And this is the moment where DC was like Jeff Johns is the golden boy and he's writing everything like I started mm. like my first exposure to Jeff Johns was his run on Teen Titans because that's when my entire personality revolved around the Teen Titans TV show. And I was like, what do you mean there are comics about this? And so those comics by Jeff Johns were the ones being published at the time. So like I just started reading those books and then they gave him Green Lantern and he was doing all of the like infinite, a lot of the infinite crisis, like tie-in stuff. So he's kind of like, probably the dc writer i've read the most Mm -hmm. but i don't know if i would say that i have like thought of his work as work to recommend it's just so ubiquitous that you are going to read it at some point but i'm not like oh my god read this jeff john story yeah well and that's the thing i think like I, I, I may have been like I may be hard, like harshly judging Jeff Johns from just a handful of books because I know he's done a huge body of work over at DC. Like I went to go to search DC's site for just his name and there's like a everything. thousand comics associated with his name. He right? did everything. Right. And so maybe I'm maybe I'm judging a little bit more, but I feel like the handful of books that I've tried have not been easy ones for me to get into. So I'm wondering and maybe this YouTube maybe don't have the answer. But if anyone listening has suggestions, I'd love to hear other Jeff Johns book that I may be able to get into 
to um, the same way this one was. Or maybe this was just like the exception because like we all know I'm a big Marvel boy. I mostly read Marvel books. So like getting into DC, you've got to like slip me around the back alley door so that like I actually can get into this versus like going like head on. I usually just get pushed back because of, again, the DC problem of not being able to let go of anything. And sometimes on the wrong day, I get really intimidated by that. And I just go, oh, my God, if you wanted me to read 100 books before this, then why not? make me i don't know it's it's well, a whole problem it's yeah okay so here's my question then for the both of you because the both of you have read much more marvel than i have read does marvel do this like is marvel this self-referential about everything yes. they've ever done okay in they they are but like with the exception i feel like of like maybe a handful of series Usually their references are things that just happen in the last couple of years. Mm. Not like you have to have read this thing back from the 60s or like, remember, like, here's a huge reference to stuff. I think you get that every once in a while. Mm. But it's I feel like not as like all of this continuity can be swept into this tiny ball that takes place and is important and is foundational for this character's issue. So, yeah. Yeah. Interestingly enough, I think Marvel, whenever they reboot something or whatever, like DC has their crises, right? So however you want to say, however you say that. And those are those kind of keep resetting things, but that doesn't mean they're erased. Marvel, I feel like every time something big happens, it kind of does get erased. Like they yeah. don't I think the only thing that I can think of is that's as referential as this is the upcoming Ultimate Universe stuff. <laughs> That's uh, gonna and, be a mess, and that's about it. Like Marvel, really, just like keeps going forward. Like you know, mm-hmm. sometimes they'll talk about events that happen, like Mike said, and they'll they'll bring up back they bring back storylines, uh, especially like Phoenix stuff or like you know X Men. Like yeah. um, Kang Kang does that a lot just because of his time stuff. But yeah, mm-hmm. nothing at this level of like of DC where they're just like, yeah, everything crisis. Let's, let's write it again, but even better. Uh Really really quick to to interrupt. Um, folks in the chat are recommending green lantern as like a run to maybe read for Jeff Johns and Zach who's peripheral in today says his Aquaman run was good. So like, like you said, Karen touched everything. So basically you can throw a character name by Jeff Johns, but, um, yeah, I'm I'm a little hesitant to recommend green lantern or flash because I don't remember all the artists in that. And a big oh, part yeah. of that run was an artist that Mike already kind of mentioned earlier. That's yeah. problematic. I mean, uh, the, so I've read the, those, but I don't recommend people go back and read right. them but again. Can Here's we... the thing. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Kara. No, go on. Cause I'm about to pivot real hard. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh yeah. I, my last thing about that is like, it's, it's tough because reading a book by a creator who is garbage now, but wasn't garbage then is like this weird line of like separating the artist, you know, Mm -hmm. like at least not publicly. Right. Um, There's some Captain America runs and covers and books that I really, really liked who it was done by a person who is not so great, you know, like very in like the last 20 years. So like that's also out there. But anyways, let's hard pivot and get away from this so we can wrap up today's discussion. So Kara, go ahead. Um, That relates to both this book that we're talking about and Jeff Johns in general. It's, you know, you bringing up his, uh, work on green lantern you have to remember that this is the era of there were maybe like four five maybe even six green lantern titles going on at this Mm -hmm. same time because Mm -hmm. this is when all of a sudden 
there wasn't just green lanterns. This is where you started getting red lanterns and blue lanterns and indigo lanterns and yellow yeah. lanterns and just oh, so I got talk, those rings somewhere at my house. Right, right. But I'm talking, but you know, talk about dumb comic book shit like the cosmic treadmill, <laughs> and then Jeff Johns is like, I'm just gonna give every color of the rainbow a mm-hmm. green lantern ring, and it was just like, just this delightful obsession with color as like a source of power in the DC universe highlighted in the whole like booster gold uh Sinestro fight in this oh, series where Skeets I, is like use oh. your n- yellow knee your yellow <laughs> knee because he's a green lantern so his weakness yeah. is the color yellow and I had totally yeah. forgotten about that but I was like yes that's like a canon <laughs> like the color yellow is a weakness right. to the green lantern power rings like this is so uh-huh. dumb it's so dumb, but it's so entertaining to read. Yeah. I feel like that whole scene was executed in such a fun way where, like, clearly, Johns really, really, really wants to write Sinestro a certain way. And he gets to do that through the, the guise of Booster Gold. And then he basically puts this humongous seed into the ground for eventual growth that will be Blackest Night, right? Because he even says it in this run. Oh, the Blackest Night thing hasn't uh-huh. happened yet. Sinestro is going to get his his Sinestro core right mm-hmm. which is not a, a new thing but like it becomes the yellow rings right and like i he laid a bunch of groundwork here that i was like i know enough to be like you son of a bitch what are you doing in this booster <laughs> gold why we're book? reading the little like blackboards in rip hunter's time sphere with their scribbles <laughs> yes. on them i'm like god damn it yes, Jeff yes. i would say i it. did not read those yeah <laughs> i was not reading any of that stuff <laughs> Um, I remember oh, they were I, important, I, Danny. I was 19 yeah. on the floor of my dorm room trying to decipher this shit. Mm-hmm. It's <laughs> amazing. I, I want to mention my favorite thing in this book is that we do get Ted Court back because I feel like that right. was the heart of the heart of this. Well, the, the best part about this book is the heart of it. And that's Booster Gold trying to get his friend back and trying to prove that there are some things that can be changed. And I love that all the other Blue Beetles show up. Like we get Dan Garrett, we get Jaime Reyes, we get the unknown one from the future at this time. Uh, and they rescue Ted Court and they undo that stupid, stupid 80 page crisis one shot that kills <laughs> Ted Court. Uh-huh. Uh, so that was that was my favorite thing because I love Ted Court. Like I said, I love. And then from this, like the storyline continues with both of them, right? Mm-hmm. I, I put a screenshot on the. Uh, on the document where you can see the first 12 issues that really complete this arc because this arc is only halfway done. There's a, a cabal of villains that are kind of revealed towards the mm-hmm. latter, the last few issues uh, that are kind of be, they're very important to like, this is who he's really going to have to take down or whatever. So, right. Um, I also wanted to ask, because I think I'm pretty sure Karen knows, but Mike, are you going to continue to read the last six, the next six? There's a big thing, but it's a big spoiler, and I don't know if you know, but I think Danny. Karen, here's the thing: I don't care if you spoil it; it's okay. fine. Oh, I do. I don't, so, I don't remember. I don't remember. It's about it's about Rip Hunter, Ooh. but you have you. I'm sure you know who Rip Hunter really like. They use those names so they don't so that people yeah, don't right. know their real names and they can't erase them from the timeline. Mm. So in in issue twelve, blue um of this series, the one billion issue or one million issue that they did all across dc they reveal who he truly is and his connection to everything 
But I don't oh, okay. want to say it. Don't if you say guys no, no. You know what? Okay. Now you've now you've sparked. No, now I have now to I read it. Read now this. I have to read it. Nobody. Okay, not, great. Nobody we'll be have... a jerk in the chat. <laughs> this is why I have the the digital subscription series. Damn it. Just yeah, for this it. reason. It's, Damn it's it. only another six issues, and then you find yeah. out what's going on. So. Oh my awesome. god. Thank you, Danny. Um, well, Danny, Danny, thank you for that. I want to say we're going to wrap up here, unless you guys had any final comments. But Keith, thank you so much for commissioning this episode and introducing me to Blue Blue. Booster yeah, Gold. Booster Gold. I always want to say Blue, Blue Beetle Gold. when I think Booster Gold, and I don't know why it's probably yeah, because they're buds. Because they're soulmates. Um, I have a really fun question to ask after we wrap up here about this. So, you know, if you're not listening live, you should always come listen to us live every Sunday, 1 p.m. Unless we're doing a Twitch episode, then we're on twitch.tv slash IRCB podcast at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard. But I guess um I have a final <laughs> next thought. Next week's episode. You oh yeah, final thought, please, please, final please. thought. Reading this, the start of this volume where you kind of get the overview of Booster Gold wanting to like self-promote and Skeet's like mm-hmm. recording footage of him self-promoting. This is 2008. This is pre-social media taking over our lives. Right. This is pre-TikTok, Twitter being everywhere, Instagram being ubiquitous. Right. We were just starting to be on Facebook. Can you imagine Booster Gold now? Like oh, his yeah. TikTok account? Well, like he's, he's a six hour debate podcast is what he is. <laughs> Kara, if you want to know what that would be like, you can read the Blue and Gold series that recently came out, eight issues, and it starts with uh, like that. They talk about him being a social media presence, and he tries to be an influence superhero. So there's more stuff for you to read after. God, okay. Uh, Oh man, that's that's well done. With that, we are going to wrap up this week's episode. Um, again, thank you, Keith, for this. This is a blast. Um, next week's show is going to be at a, uh, it's going to be recorded at a different time and place, despite what I just said. Uh, October 28th, we're going to be recording um, for you freaks who want to listen live. I don't know why I wrote that in the notes. Uh, it's a Halloween special. It's going to be me and Brian and Zach. Super scary comics. Um, are those even real? We're going to answer if there's truly any horror comic books out there, as we're going to be trying to bring our scariest to the table. Uh, as, as always, Infinity Shred is the best band in the universe. They do one of our music. If you want to get access to stuff that's like very exclusive and super cool, you can join our Patreon at patreon.com slash IRCB podcast to commission episodes, as well as listen to shows like the IRCB Movie Club, uh, Better Batmobile, Giant Days of Our Lives, so much more. It's really, really fun. That's patreon.com slash IRCB podcast. And if you want, you can follow for free just to get updates. Um, Xander is in the hatch pressing the button. I don't know if that reference is worth me even saying it. I never watched Lost, but that's what Xander's up to. I want to say thank you again to Kara and Danny and Zach for proof listening. Thank you to everyone listening live on and watching live on Twitch. This is such a blast. I love doing these episodes. So until next time, comics are good and so are you. Yeah.